I'm going to share with you a series uh, we titled uh, uh, Jesus, Our Chain Breaker. And perhaps uh, one of the most powerful journeys you and I could ever have as a believer is to fully grasp that while we getting saved makes us happy, our becoming disciples makes Jesus happy. We often talk about our relationship with God being a relationship, but it should never be a one-way relationship where we're the recipients of everything and God is the giver of everything. We're also in a relationship where we give to the Lord of ourselves and every time we do that, we please Him. Recently, the pastors had a conversation about what it means to be a disciple and we're gonna have a look at that word in a moment. And really, by summary, the best description I could give you is becoming a follower of Jesus is when I accept Jesus Christ into my heart. I receive Him, but becoming a disciple is when He receives me. When I give Him my language, my mindset, my attitudes, my actions, my resources, and my future, I become a disciple. When I receive Him, I become a follower. I'm born again. The one pleases me. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my heart. I'm a joyful person because you saved me. I am a whole person because you saved me. I am a settled person because you saved me. But when I give myself to the Lord, the Lord is well pleased with me. And I think our relationship with the Lord should always have that dynamic of He gives to us and and we give in turn of ourselves to Him. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of patterns and pitfalls as described in the Bible. And then in true marketing um, culture, I'm gonna invite you to tonight's service. We'll talk about the symptoms of strongholds. Now, I know you have nothing else really demanding your time tonight. For some of you, you, you may not even have electricity. We, we will offer you, we will offer you uh, sh- showers if we have to, if we have to, to get you to church. Okay, I'm gonna stop with the, with the, with, with the jokes because, because it is a joke. Okay, so, okay, so there are a few passages of Scripture that talk to us about why this idea of Christ, the chain breaker, uh, not just the heart healer, and the soul saver is so important. Very often, we see Christ only in one way, as the one who saves me from the fires of hell and takes me to the gates of heaven. But He is more than that. He is in everything, through everything, the wisdom for everything, and by Him, all things are sustained. He has to enlarge in your heart and in your mind and in your life, bigger and bigger, so that you too, like John the Baptist, can say that he must increase and I must decrease. And the relationship between him and I is more of you, Lord, and less of me, Lord. And that's discipleship and that's wholeness and healing. Recently, somebody said to me, what's your, asked me, what's your relationship like with food? I thought, well, is it a relationship? Is it the only good relationship I've got at the moment is my relationship with food? I thought that's a very powerful statement. I think it's probably an accurate statement. It takes up a certain amount of my time. It changes my shape. It costs me a bit of money. I sit at the table and have communion with it two or three times a day. It's a relationship. Sometimes it's an expression of my feelings. I eat when I have feelings and I eat when I have no feelings. I eat, I eat all the time. I want to talk to you though about how your relationship with God could be asked in a similar light. What's it like 
Each person has a different kind of relationship with God. And we should mature our relationship with God. And that's the goal of this journey over the next three weeks. You ought not to be in the same conflicts, tensions, struggles, uh, defeats as you were the day Christ met you. You ought to be moving from one battle into the next victory step by step by step. You should have a trophy cupboard full of enemies that you have overcome. John chapter 8 and verse 31 uh, words it like this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, "Uh, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you know those two verses are often just read by themselves? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Those two verses are read without the bits in between. But the bits in between are very important. The one suggests that you might not feel free because you're still a slave to something. The other verse suggests that if it isn't permanent, then you aren't really free. It's got to be permanent. All jokes aside about eating, I've done lots of different kinds of diets. Do you know how I didn't know I was free? It wasn't permanent. I did it for a bit. And there are lots of believers who do something spiritually for a bit. But when you're truly free from it, it's a permanent thing. When you're sexually pure, it doesn't matter who you're dating because it's a permanent thing. When you're giving in your resources, your heart, or your affection to your family, it really doesn't matter whether your family loves you back or not, because it's a permanent thing. When something becomes a permanent thing in your heart, you can say, well, I'm really free in that area. When it's temporary, then the Bible says, you're blown around with every wind of doctrine, and you chop and change your mind, and you don't feel secure in who God designed you to be. When the Bible says, he whom the Son sets free free is free indeed. It's evaluating the effective permanence of our life's change. And today, I want to pray that God will permanently set you free from something so that you can look at them and go, I am a victor over that thing. I have won over it a long time ago. You know, there are one or two uh, uh, remarkable passages of Scripture on this topic. Galatians 5 is one of them. For uh, freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, an action on our part, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It means that at every stage of our lives, we might have to take a firm stand so we don't become a slave again. Do you know, this idea of taking a stand is part of God discipling us. 
I uh, traveled to Cyprus, of course, to do this uh, dry run of the trip. What a great idea. We would have been such amateurs if we took you with and hadn't done it. We're definitely going to go to the pyramids, though, in, in, in Cairo also. I think that definitely worth it. De uh, wonderful experience. I, I traveled with Ryan and his wife, their two kids, and Granny, which was also a permanent experience for me in my... In my <laughs> Hey, parenting is for the brave, ne? I was the one who said, Ryan, leave the mirror, go out, take your wife out. I said it. A thing I have permanently deleted from my offerings to my friends. No, so, so we did this trip. I, I, I had this absolutely wonderful time going to uh, the mall. We had a gap. They needed to sleep. I, I didn't need to sleep. I went to the mall. I found a Zara. It's, it's like an automatic uh, thing on my app now. It, Zara just knows where you are and just messages you and says you're nearby. I went there, I found amazing items, seven or eight items. I put them on, they are awesome. The, the next season is baggy. That seems to be the way to go, suits me fine. I uh, feel that way. Anyway, and then, and, then, and then I had this moment in my heart. I was like, can you really, I mean, do you really want to spend, do you, is that what you came here for? I put all eight items back. And I walked out of Zara and I won that fight. <laughs> hey, so you're laughing at me, but maybe your, your, your victory is in a different area. Maybe you're, you're so close to crossing a line in something else in your life. Maybe today Christ will give you the spiritual power and authority to put a thing back on its shelf when it isn't intended for you in this season, for this moment, for what God had intended. And you win. You win. There is a passage of Scripture that I want to take you to that's a little hectic in that it has a conversation about this. I don't want you to be upset about this passage of Scripture. I, I want you to rather uh, uh, read it with the mindset of, oh, there's something powerful in that. And it's one of the 316 passages of Scripture. If you don't know, there's like a whole Bible study of verses in the Bible that are chapter 3, verse 16. You know the most famous one, John 3:16. It says... Absolutely. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There is a Proverbs 3.16, which is really powerful and well worth looking at. There is a, a Timothy 3.16, study to show yourself approved. Well, this is also a 3.16, but for some reason, nobody knows it because it's a little hectic. It's from Revelation chapter 3. Actually, you all know Revelation 3.20 probably. For I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Okay, so let's go to the whole thing instead of just that part. Revelation 3, 14, let's start there, says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Calm down. I'm talking about other people. Nee, I could wish, I must just say, before I carry on reading, uh, Afrikaans is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's the closest language in description to things that I've heard to Greek, which just makes it wonderful. But I'm at Doha, I'm at Doha Airport, and I'm sitting there and I look like I'm a local. So the people next to me are full on in Afrikaans. And they've got a lot to say, eh? about everything, the food, the person sitting next to them, me, by myself, and the whole thing. And they, they, 
going for it in Afrikaans. Oh, and I just kept quiet and I had my uh, uh, Arab coffee, you know, that short thing. I had the Arab coffee and I finished. And as I, I, I was ready to go, I got up and I said, I said, I will not here there come. The one lady said, eight, sir. The other lady said, what did you say? Which means, oh no, what did we say? And I just grabbed my bag and I said, you have to talk Which is, talk nicely. They looked for me, that whole airport, up and down to find me. I just walked faster. I evaded them the whole time. Watch your tongues. Back to Revelation. I know that your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I, I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's the verse 16 nobody remembers. Yeah. Because you say, I am rich, I uh, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may become rich, white garments that you may be clothed, uh, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, uh, uh, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcome and sat down with my father at his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This verse has been so misunderstood in uh, so many different ways. The implication I've often heard is that God wishes that Christians were preferably hot. If you are cold, then you've chosen not to be a Christian. And if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out of your mouth. So that's the summary, but that's incorrect. Uh, God is saying he loves both groups, hot and cold. He said, in fact, I wish you were either hot or cold. Surely God isn't wishing for cold people to go to hell. Surely that's not what he's wishing. So what is this? Uh, I think we, and, and this door, uh, standing at the door knocking very often has been interpreted as the door is the unbeliever and Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart to come in to save you. Is that what that's saying? Because the verse is saying, I, I love you, and, but I'm standing at the door. What door? Well, maybe I'm already in your house, but I'm at the door to your marriage. Can you please just... Let me show you what a Christ-centered marriage looks like. Knock, 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 knock. Now you're fighting and you're knocking on the pastor's door, but what you should do is hear the Lord's knocking and open that door. Maybe we keep opening the door to other things into our marriage, counseling, failures, uh, immoralities, anger, but you just open the door to Christ and Christ will give you the victory because this is a verse about victory. Amen. And so we, we, we have this, I think, a bit of a misunderstanding. Now, um, another thing that I think would be very useful uh, about this, and really, you, you don't need to research this. You, this is what you have pastors for. Uh, Laodicea, just very interestingly, practically, it's not important, but it's maybe useful, is between two cities. The one city has hot springs, and people were attracted to that town to go to the hot baths. The other city had cold spring water, and people were attracted to drink the cold spring water. The Laodiceans didn't have anything, uh, so they tried to get the water from each place 
to their town to have a tasteful attraction to people. And the hot water got lukewarm and the cold water got lukewarm. And God was, uh, Jesus was trying to tell the church in the area, you're not very tasty living this kind of life to the rest of the world. It's not very palatable if it's neither a hot drink when it's supposed to be a hot drink and it's not a cold drink when it's supposed to be a cold drink. It doesn't taste very good. If you have a life where you sing in church songs of victory, but on Monday you do business underhandedly, that's not gonna taste very good. It won't taste good to you. It won't taste good to people who meet you, right? If you if you are in this tension between trying to be one thing or the other thing, you're not in victory, you're in bondage. And this is the the defeat the devil wants for you. And this is the victory that Christ has in mind for you. Can you say amen to that? Christ has come, Christ has come to invite us to either the one or the other. Be a cold glass of water to a world under huge heat or be a warm hot chocolate to a world freezing out. But don't be either. Amen? Don't be either. Sometimes, I think just briefly on churches, and I know I'm talking to all our churches uh, at, at this time, you know, I would rather love everybody and, and be cold water on a hot day to the whole world, or I'd rather be so hot and full of chaos that only like the hectic Christians can keep up. But don't be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. On one Sunday, you say, everybody welcome. On the next Sunday, you rain down the fires of hell on everybody that's there except the front row. Then the next Sunday, you say, then the next Sunday, you say, bring your unsaved friends. Bring the people going through identity crisis and this and that. Then the next Sunday, you start making jokes about people going through. Pick one. Now for us at Father's House, we want to love the whole world long enough so that they can meet the true lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. That's how. Now that's playing the long game. It might mean weeks, months, and years with some people. Now there's other kinds of churches where you want them to come in to the service people and then you wanna do a certain kind of worship and a certain kind of preaching and you wanna end with that hectic statement. If you die tonight, you know? I mean, I, I got saved like that five or six times. So, I mean, that's dramatic. If I die tonight, that's, I, I'm not, you know, I'm sure, I'm very sure. So this area of bondages or chains or prisons in our lives, pitfalls in our lives, are the things that are habits we haven't got permanent victory over. There are areas of our lives where Christ is still knocking to gain access to teach us a biblical response in that way, in that area. Uh, a pitfall or a, a, a prison, uh, spiritually speaking, is an error in our lives in which Christ hasn't given you the victory yet. There's a passage of Scripture Jesus tells a parable. He says, go and invite everyone to a wedding banquet, a feast. Now, there are two of them, two descriptions of this in the Bible. The one is uh, those who said, no, I'm busy, I bought a field, I got married, I, I, I got stuff going on. 
And then Jesus says, God, into the highways and byways and invite everyone. And then it, it goes intense. Somebody came not dressed for a wedding. And Jesus said, why are you not dressed? Why are you not dressed for the wedding? Uh, you, you're going to be kicked out. And I often worried about that verse. Does that mean when you go to heaven one day, Jesus might say, oh, sorry, man, you were close. What does it mean? I'll tell you uh, what it means. I think this is a good description of what it means. Your invitation to the wedding is free. But when you take up an invitation, you prepare for it. Whether you're going to a wedding or whether you're going on a road trip or whether you're going to do something, you prepare for it. You get dressed for it. Perhaps a good description of that would be when we go to war, we put on the armour of God. When you get married, you learn the Scriptures about honouring God through your marriage. You find out what it means to leave and to cleave. When you start a business, you work out what it means biblically to do it ethically. Because so many people have accepted the invitation to the feast of faith, but aren't eating at the table because you're not dressed well for it. You should be eating at the table of a beautiful wedding and a wonderful marriage. Eating at the table of a business blessed by God that has abundance and overflow, overflow in it. You should be enjoying your season of life, whether single, married, with kids, without kids, each one a blessing to you because Christ is at the centre. You've prepared and dressed for the occasion. So many believers say yes to the invitation, but don't show up ready to enjoy the celebration. You need victory so that you can walk in victory. I found four summaries uh, in preparing this series that I think are very helpful in us working out how to be free, spiritually free. And I'm going to share them with you today. And over the next three weeks, I'm doing this series morning and evening. And the evening is on podcast. So you really can catch up if you've got something on. Uh, and, um, and if you're watching from around the world. Um, but these four ways are roads God takes you on to help you get to freedom. Uh, I, these are not my own, by the way. I, I um, couldn't improve on them. They were just so good. Uh, they're from uh, John Maxwell. The first is this. You learn to be set free when you hurt so much that you have to change. Have you ever been in a place where it just hurts so much that you say to yourself, never again? And perhaps your pain has a bigger purpose than you ever imagined. That sometimes you go through a thing just so that God could say, let me make you a disciple in that area of your life. My joke about my clothing thing is that I always have this annoying habit that I have dreams I want to achieve, but they are cut short by unexpected, urgent, or uh, emotional decisions made in the moment. I want to uh, make some alterations at my home and extend some things and change it up a bit. And my decision to put something away was not because I wanted to make a joke about clothing. I had in mind what I plan to do when I get back to South Africa. And the plan I want to achieve is more meaningful in my heart than the plan being thrown in my face in this moment. So I take the plan thrust at me and I put it away so that I can hold on to the plan granted to me by my heavenly Father to hold on to. 
and you get robbed by other people's plans for you. You get robbed by marketing plans for you. I um, Water is the, partly the topic of conversation today. And actually, it's so strange how the Lord works. I had a sip of water on the side there and it was lukewarm. I said to Cameron, is this a joke? Did this come out of the kettle? He said, yeah, but we thought it was cold. It wasn't. I thought, ah, oh, Lord, a reminder. But water is an, it's an interesting thing. We, while you're overseas, it's true here too, by the way. Uh, you can get a, a bottle of water at a shop for a euro. You can get a half a bottle of water at a restaurant for five euro. You can get a bottle of water at a 24-hour convenience store for about eight euro. But if you drink a local coffee, you get the water for free. <laughs> I drank a lot of water. I had a lot of coffee. If you're wondering how to apply that, if you'll drink from the cup of discipleship, you will get the desires you're paying for so much now added for free. But if you won't do it that way, you pay the hard way to get to the same thing. That's why we rejoice when we go through various trials because they're producing in us the character and the hope that God wants to produce in us. You're en route to freedom. Sometimes you have to hurt enough to change. The second way God leads us through a process of changes, when we learn so much, we want to. There's something about revelation of things, coming to know certain things. The more you know about something, the more you want that thing. The reason why learning about Christ is so powerful and getting to know what He's like is so meaningful is that the more I know Him, the more I love Him. And when I've lost love, I need to know more. The more we get to discover who He is, even without emotion, the more our emotions well up in our hearts and we begin to love Him. Sometimes you don't want to because you don't know better. Getting to know something is so valuable. When I think about budgets and my plans for my home and my own plans for my aspirations to do something in the next year or two, I have aspirations here too, by the way. We've really got to get those seats back up and um, on terraces and things when we get to uh, four or 5,000 people. I am absolutely determined. Now, I know that's tense for you at the moment, but revival is going to come. There will be, and it will be an awakening for the people of Africa by the people in Africa to the whole world. Uh, because we haven't had our turn to do that yet. And uh, uh, there's a real sense in my heart that that's happening. But when I, I think about it, I, 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 I have to uh, stop ignoring the budget. The more I know, the better I can lead. You see, I never used to look at it. I just refused to look at it. I liked my ignorance. Because I could make decisions on my ignorance. I, years ago, I used to drink a lot of Coca-Cola. I had a thyroid problem that was too active and I could drink two liters of Coke a day and it wouldn't affect me, I thought. Do you know what made me stop? It's not for health reasons. A friend of mine calculated how much two liters per Coke, two liters of Coke per day, even a liter is costing me per day. 
I could double my tithe just by giving up Coca-Cola. <laughs> and let me tell you what I discovered on that day. Nobody, including me, I don't, nobody has a money problem. Oh, look at the tension in the room. Oh, so tense. It's like, wrap it up, son. I walked into the Standard Bank VIP lounge or whatever it is at the airport. And as I walked in, the two ladies behind the counter were chatting and in, in closer. And the one said to the other something about having a problem. And I came and she said, can I help you? I said, no, can I help you? You said you have a problem. What's the problem? She said, oh, I've got a money problem. I said, no, you don't. She said, yes, I do. You don't know me. I said, no, you don't. Let me tell you what I learned. I never have a money problem. I have a management problem. I manage the money I have badly. So when I get healing in that area and I get victory over it, I have a victory over my leadership or discipleship in that area. God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Take what's lost and add it to this guy because he's good in discipleship with this thing. That's hard. That's painful. The more I know, the more I want to. Thirdly, the Spirit leads us into victory so that when you see other things, you're inspired to. Travel is a, a celebration. One of the best parts about travel for me is seeing things done bigger, done smarter, done wiser. And every time I see it, I steal with my eyes. I'd like to see that here. I'd like to see that done there. I'd love to see that over there. That's a great idea. That's a terrible idea. I'd never do that again. Do you know, the more the Holy Spirit shows you, the more you realise what still can be. The more you realise what still can be. We need the Spirit to show us what heaven looks like when it's lived out here on earth. When you see enough of it, you'll be inspired to. And then thirdly, when you receive enough, you'll be able to. And here's why that's so powerful. I can't tell you how many times I've agreed with someone. Yes, I agree, but I just don't have the energy. What you need is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that you are strong and able to take up your enemy. There is something about how the devil drains us. And there is something about how the Spirit fills us. How much Holy Spirit do you need? I love Billy Graham's comment on this. Billy Graham had an interesting comment. Google him sometime if you don't know who he is. Billy Graham had an interesting comment. They said, Billy Graham, when you preach and you bring people forward in your crusades, why do people not fall over by the power of the Holy Spirit? He said, that's not my ministry. He said, my ministry is to get people to come forward and learn how to stay standing in the power of the Spirit. <laughs> There's a place for both, but, but can you stand? Because sometimes to fall is temporary, but to stand is, is permanent. To be permanent about something and having done all to stand, says Galatians chapter six, put on the whole armour of God and having done all to stand. Do you know, I want to invite you in this series as we wrap up part one. I want to invite you to open the door. That statement or verse is not only for the unbeliever who must open his door for Christ. It is also the believer. Let God into your thought life, even if there's a bit of mess there. 
Let Him set you free from that addiction. Teach you how to walk away from that pornography. Help you no longer be robbed by other people's plans for your money. Teach you how to love better than anything you've seen in your own family. Better than everything, anything you've seen in your own past. Let Him show you something that inspires you. Give you enough that enables you. Teach you enough that leads you. Because if you allow Him to do that, you'll have the great privilege of living an eternal life here on earth. An eternal life here on earth. There is something incredibly significant about that. Today, my prayer is that you will be set free. You'll be set free from nearsightedness, but you'll also be set free from small-mindedness. That you'll be set free from what seems impossibilities and repeat habits, and you'll let the victory come over your life. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me as we pray? Oh, thank you. At all our churches standing, and if you're watching online and you're comfortable to stand, I'm not sure where you're watching, uh, um, please, please do. I'd like to pray two prayers with us this morning. The, the first prayer uh, is for salvation of those who haven't yet received Christ. Remember that moment where you can receive Him. And then that second prayer, the prayer of victory where He receives me. And that second prayer will be, Lord, I will be a disciple. I don't want to be lukewarm on stuff. I want to be hot when it needs to be hot and, and refreshingly cold when it needs to be refreshingly cold. And if you're knocking on a door somewhere, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, today. Can you say amen to that? So the first prayer is a prayer that allows me to say yes to Christ. And if you've never prayed this prayer or you need to start fresh, have you ever had a relationship mess up so much that you land up saying, can we just start again? Sometimes that's what happens in our walk with the Lord. Can we just, hi, I'm George. We just start again. Then pray this prayer. If you're watching online, you're welcome to pray that too in your heart. Uh, out loud if you'd like. And then we'll pray together a prayer which invites the Spirit to lead us into victory. In the next 30 days, I mean, that would be a great infomercial. The next three weeks, there are going to be people here online and around the world in our churches. You're going to be set free from patterns and habits that you've been in bondage to so that you can say, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm both. Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you and I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to say that you prayed the prayer in the comments. I'd love for you to come out to the front at the stage at any of our churches and ask someone to pray a prayer with you or give you a free Bible or sign you up for a free Alpha course to help you on your journey. That's how we follow along our journey at Father's House. Any of those actions will get you going along your next steps. And then finally, this prayer 
that invites the Holy Spirit to teach us to be truly free. Holy Spirit, thank you today that we are not orphans abandoned, but we are children of God invited. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent us the Holy Spirit to teach us all things, guide us into all truth, empower us into all victory so that we will say, I am more than a conqueror through Him who loved me. Father, in the name of Jesus, would chains over our hearts break today? Would chains over our minds break today? Would heaviness over our bodies, our souls, our households and our businesses be lifted today in the name of Jesus? Will you make us spiritually wide awake, spiritually full of authority, absolutely clear about the road before us? We have received you and it has made us joyful. Today we commit ourselves to give ourselves to you to please you. That this relationship will be one where we are pleased and you are pleased with us also. Thank you for that victory in our lives, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise, worship, thanksgiving?